Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, it's been a little while. We had some real life get in the way, but we're back. And uh, just just as the uh, real football is back, we've had one game already. We've got uh, week one of the preseason coming up. How are you doing, my man? I am great. Uh, we both had some vacations. I'm sitting in my dorm room. It probably sounds a little different. It's the old school dorm room here in St. Vincent College. Overlooking the Steeler practice fields, Chuck Knoll Field. So I'm um, pretty good shape. Can't can't complain. Yeah, awesome. We've got a great guest today. We've got Matt Hicks, my buddy. He is a busy man as well. Look at this list. He's got <laughs> the fantasy fanalist, gridiron experts. He does some dynasty work for. He does some uh, writing for Fansided and has another podcast, the Dynasty Draft Room. Matt, yeah, that that feels like my old uh, resume with a million different sites going on. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Well, you know, you got to get a little little piece of every part of the fantasy football and college football world in there, right? That's right. That's right. You've got it all covered. Uh, I'm I'm trying to narrow down my list. So uh, yours is expanding. Mine's mine's I don't know, getting smaller. I guess I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to focus a little bit more. It's tough though. It's tough. Uh, guys, we're going to do a couple of different things today. We've got some listener questions later in the show, uh, but because Matt, because we've been away a little bit, I want to catch up on some of this camp news, uh, and, and there's plenty of it, and most of it is not very good uh, for a lot of b- the big names in Dynasty Fantasy Football, so I want to talk to both of you guys today and just find out how worried you are about a few different scenarios, situations uh, that are going on. When it comes to uh, dynasty leagues, how, how worried should we be about these? We're going to start with Antonio Brown. Still has not practiced from the Raider, uh, for the Raiders. Uh, I, I think we all probably saw that nasty picture of his, his feet. He did see, uh, he did have to go to a foot specialist. Uh, and, and it sounds like he got some good news from that, uh, from that doctor, but still, still not on the practice field. And, and now there's reports about what the condition actually is that it, um, I don't know, just seems to be a lot of, a lot of confusion about that. Um, Williamson, should we be worried about this at all? No, I don't think so. But I mean, it sounds like Gruden's getting a little frustrated and AB is a frustrating person to be around. Um, I, I just don't like that there's already drama around the drama queen. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he might be perfectly fine if it was anyone else. Okay, you have feet issues, but, I mean, hard knock starts tonight. We're going to see. I just think that there – I want no news around AB is what I'm asking, is what I'm really saying here. Yeah, that's a good point. He, I, I think he had this – I don't think it was the same issue, but he didn't practice much last preseason either. Is that right? No, I think you're right about that. I don't think it was the same issue, but – um, and I don't think he's like falling apart or anything. I just don't want to hear about him anymore. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you. Uh, Matt, are you worried about AB at all? Well, I'm not any more worried than I guess I already was. Um, you know, I, I just finished up my projections for this season, and I have Antonio Brown just outside of wide receiver one territory. He's my wide receiver 13 right now anyways. But I'm, I'm not worried about, you know, his performance over the course of the season. I will say, though, you know, Oakland – uh, opens the season with Denver, Kansas City, the Vikings, and the Colts. And so that's a pretty tough stretch to open up with as it is. If you're missing a lot of reps in camp, especially with a foot issue, 
I think maybe just expect a little bit slower of a start. So if you're a Brown owner, you know, don't panic and sell too quickly. Yeah, for sure. You you certainly can't sell right now with this uh, with this news that we've had and and with him not being on the practice field. But I think middle of the season, week six, week seven, uh, he's going to be a prime trade uh, trade candidate at that time. A couple of running backs are causing some concerns as well. We'll start with uh, Ezekiel Elliott holding out from the Dallas Cowboys in in search of a new contract. Uh, he had a deadline, actually, of today, guys. We're recording on Tuesday. Today was the day that he had to uh, report in order to maintain that free agent schedule. It uh, looks like that's not going to happen, so um, he is certainly going to be looking for a new deal, and it, it does not look good. You have Jerry Jones kind of firing shots uh, towards Zeke and, and really towards the running back position in general. Uh, some some reports from ESPN say Zeke will not play at all without a new contract and that the holdout could last for months. Uh, we'll talk about Melvin Gordon in a moment. It seems like similar story for Gordon is really impacting his value. We're seeing him drop in dynasty ranks. We're seeing him fall down, uh, fall to the second round of, uh, of seasonal redraft leagues, but Zeke is still maintaining that top four status. That's kind of surprising for me. Uh, Hicks, we'll start with you. Are you worried about Zeke? Uh, I, I feel like I'm in an unpopular territory where I'm actually more worried about Zeke than I am about Melvin Gordon. I think he's got a little bit more leverage to uh, his situation. Um, I think that Zeke is a or um, that you know Dallas they have to pay Dak as well as Cooper, and I think that uh, Los Angeles sees themselves in a little bit more of a win now window. I mean, you have Philip Rivers going towards the end here. They put together a really good run last season, and the Chargers are in a position where they need to make sure they have bodies on the field to put butts in the seats because. Other than that, you're not getting people into a soccer stadium already over there in Los Angeles. So I think that it's more important for Los Angeles to get Gordon extended. And of course, you know, Zeke is a critical part of the Dallas team. But Jerry Jones has come out and said that, you know, running backs aren't the be all and end all. And I I think what I'm most excited about is to see the case study, you know, as somebody who loves the NFL draft. What does a, a number four overall pick? You know, how how much is he worth? Is he worth the second contract or is he just worth his initial rookie deal? Well, that that all goes back to the conversation that's been a popular one for over a year now. Uh, should should we be drafting, should NFL teams be drafting running backs in the top five, top ten even, or even the first round? So a little bit of a deeper conversation. Williamson, what do you think about Zeke? Worried about him? Is he going to miss? Uh, is he going to miss games this year? Should we start moving him down dynasty ranks? I wouldn't. Um, when I compare the two, I think we all agree Zeke is the better football player, more important to his respective team, He's a little younger, a little fresher legs. You know, going back to college as well. But they both have had a serious workload, and the end might be nearer for both than we than we realize. Finally, is starting to catch passes in Dallas. It's about time they figured that out after you know, in his third season, that they should maybe dump the ball to him here and there. But the key for me is where we sit here in early August is the Chargers are cheap, the Cowboys are the opposite. Like in terms of spending, wanting to win, the Cowboys are on one spectrum, Jerry Jones, and the Chargers are on the total opposite. We mentioned this, you know, you mentioned the soccer stadium and all that situation. I just don't think 
Jerry let Zeke sit out, although they did it with Emmett. Yeah, you, I think you both bring up a couple interesting points. Um, Hicks, you said you were more worried about Zeke. Um, we, you look at the Cowboys' depth behind him. There's not much there. They they drafted a couple of uh, a couple of rookies. Uh, they signed Alfred Morris. That's that's basically it. And then of course with the Chargers, you've got the two guys who have at least had some experience and some production uh, with Justin Jackson. And, um, Eckler. thank Yeah. Austin yeah. Eckler. Thank you. Um, so, so maybe that's, that is a reason to be more concerned about, uh, about Elliot Williamson. You're right though, that the, the Cowboys are the team that makes, that make these high dollar deals and the chargers of the team that typically avoids them, uh, for the most part, the Cowboys do have to pay Dak and Cooper. So, you know, there's 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 only so much money to go around. That what's that's what makes both of these really interesting situations. Uh, let's just kind of do this: yes or no? Does Zeke miss regular season games because of the contract? No, for me. I'm going to go with no as well. I think they're both going to get on the field. Okay, and you agree about Gordon? Does he play as well, Matt? I bet he sits a little and then quickly realizes not getting game checks isn't any fun and he comes back in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unlike, so unlike Love Bell. We're not we're not too worried about either of these guys. Speaking of, by the way, uh somebody is panicking. Some someone in my league traded Zeke for Lev Bell today. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would have loved to have been exactly. on the other side of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wish I had Lev Bell to dangle to that Zeke. Wow. All right, let's move on. Andrew Luck is also missing some practice, not because of a holdout, but because of a leg injury, a calf injury that has just been bothering him really off and on, it it seems like, since the spring. Uh, He started out practicing at camp, but then uh, has has pulled back, and uh, now at least there's a little bit of doubt if he's actually going to be ready by week one. We saw the Colts be pretty... um, mysterious I guess we could say not forthcoming about his injury status a couple years ago when we know he ended up missing most of the season Williamson are you worried about Andrew Luck in this leg injury not yet and I know that some injuries can lead to injuries in other parts of the body I mean so maybe I'm I mean I'm not a doctor but if it were to been a shoulder now I'm really now I'm really worried and I don't think he's fragile per se I think he's just been kind of unlucky Huh, how about that pun? That. <laughs> <laughs> so we've seen them be extremely conservative with Luck in the past. They understand his immense value to the team. Mentally, he's super sharp and doesn't need in there. So I'm just going to cross my fingers and say they're just keeping him out to be precautionary, and we're not not time to worry yet. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'll say my heart skips a beat every every time you, you put injury and Andrew Luck in the same sentence because yep. I've gotten him back into my top three dynasty quarterbacks. I really love Andrew Luck, and I love the uh, system and the situation that he's in in there in Indianapolis. And, and I'm going to agree with, with Williamson. I just really think it's the Colts' understanding that this is their guy. They know the difference with their offense when, when Luck is 100% and when he's not. And, uh, and I don't think they really need him to play in the preseason if it comes to that. So, you know, anytime you have a muscle injury like a calf or, you know, we're going to talk about hamstrings uh, next, you want to be as cautious as possible with that. And I think that's what they're doing. 
Yeah, I hope, hope you guys are right. Uh, we are going to talk about hamstrings next. It's Damian Williams, who's been one, really one of the most hotly debated players uh, over, through this offseason um, um, in that dynasty community. Of course, after the way he ended the season, many people are on board and, and expecting him to continue that while he has some doubters based on uh, four or five years of, uh, of really just being a backup and, and not producing. So that's, that's a whole other conversation because lately he hasn't been practicing with that hamstring injury. Carlos Hyde has reportedly been uh, taking advantage of his absence and um, maybe gaining the trust of Andy Reid. Are you worried about Damian Williams as a short-term asset, Hicks? Yeah, if I'm a Damian Williams owner, I'm I'm terrified in dynasty formats. Um, yep. I I think that even if he is, so even if he comes out this season and produces the way that we expect him to do, I, I think that he's a flash in the pan. I mean, he's been a career backup, and he hasn't really, um, you know, other than last season, he hasn't flashed at all, and so. I think we know who Damian Williams is, and he's a guy who, if you plug him into the offense, he's fantastic because the offense is fantastic. But I'm also not somebody who's given up on Carlos Hyde. And at his current ADP and price, he's so cheap. And I have no shares of Damian Williams. I'm certainly not buying right now. And if anything, I'm going and getting Carlos Hyde shares because uh, I still believe, I remember what he did in San Francisco, and I think he's had a, a bad run of it the last two seasons, just not being in a good fit. And you know, I think Andy Reid really could use him if he doesn't like what he sees out of Damian Williams. And we know hamstrings are a problem. That is not an injury you want to see with a player. Yeah, I think Matt nailed it. I mean, I think people that have listened to us for a while have heard me kind of been on that Hyde Island for a while. I still think he's a quality player. I love when he landed in Kansas City. And I think Damian Williams is just a guy. I mean, really... Uh, at the peak of either's career, Hyde was the better player. I mean, he's the more talented of the two. Uh, if I, I've never, and, and like Matt said, I own a lot of Hyde sh- shares. I own zero Williams shares. But if I would have had him, I would have dumped him a couple weeks ago when he was at, maybe at his highest. Matt, let's move on to Pittsburgh. Uh, got a lot of a lot of Steelers topics today, which is perfect since you've been there uh, the past couple weeks checking things out. How worried should we, should we be about James Conner? We, we've heard the potential for a committee backfield uh, really for the past month or so at least, uh, including some comments from Conner himself. Uh, now that training camp is underway, we, we've heard some positive reports for Jalen Samuels uh, and for my guy rookie Benny Snell. Is this going to be a committee or what's the deal here with James Conner? Well, let's do this. Let's tell our, our, our people, our, our, our listeners about Reality Sports Online, and then we can go into a deep Steelers rant if you want, because there's going to be a lot of questions. They all kind of lead towards one another. Is that cool with you two? No, we'll get do back that. on this. All right. So, folks, so by now you've probably heard about Reality Sports Online. I've mentioned it to you many times. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, just like an NFL general, general manager. And in fact, Kevin Colbert just walked right across my window. How about that? But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is all about. Free agency, multi-tier contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Sounds really complicated, but it's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. 
you're still not sure, you can go test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you don't like what, if you like what you see, use our promo code Blueprint, all one word, and you receive 10% off discount on your team or your entire league today. Fantasy just got real at RealitySportsOnline.com. So, Connor owners, I would not be worried, but this is going to kind of the the biggest worry with the Steelers right now, which is a small one is within the building is, man, Vance McDonald is the only tight end we have. Uh, Jesse James is gone. There's a no number two. I think they'll be in the market for a veteran. But it really limits their ability to play 12 personnel, double tight end sets. So I think you're going to see Samuels often on the field with Connor. I think Connor still has his same role. He's the workhorse. He looks really good. But... In lieu of, of double tight end sets, I think you might see a little more four receiver sets, which they did a lot last year. A sixth offensive lineman, which they did a lot last year. They have a true fullback on the roster, Rosie Nix. And Samuels is kind of his own beast. I mean, he's kind of this jack of all trades, but I think you'll see Connor and Samuels together with Snell basically as his backup. Connor's backup. Okay, I think that makes sense. Um you want to so, talk about the death chart a little bit, maybe then too, while we're talking Steelers. We'll, we'll get there, but on, all right, all right. So for for Samuels and Snell, would you would you recommend buying those guys in Dynasty right now? No, well, maybe Snell because things move quick in the NFL, and Connor has this year and then next year on his contract. But their money, if you look at if you remember that draft class, I think their money isn't going to go to Connor. It's going to go to Watt, and it's going to go to Juju. And Juju's going to cost a ton. So it wouldn't shock me if Connor isn't even here in two years. And maybe Snell picks that up. All right, good stuff on the Steelers. We will get back to the uh, Steelers wide receivers very soon. Uh, first, let's talk about a couple of rookie wide receivers. Uh, really, this is... This is no surprise to see rookies starting out uh, their career, starting out training camp slowly. Specifically, we're seeing it with A.J. Brown and Andy Isabella. Uh, Both have been dealing with injuries and uh, potentially being passed on the depth chart by players we think of as lesser talents. We'll say it that way. Uh, Hicks, are you worried about these two from a short-term perspective, is is this going to be a bit of a redshirt year for Brown and Isabella? Well, I mean, I think we need to keep in mind the offense that Brown is playing in anyways. And, and I'm a huge A.J. Brown fan. He was one of my favorite prospects coming out. But he didn't exactly land in the most appetizing fantasy football spot, right? So I think we just need to keep that in mind and temper expectations on A.J. Brown anyways this season. Um, Isabella, for me, you know, I understand he's coming off to a slow start. But he has a he's going to have a pretty specific role, I think, in the Cliff Kingsbury offense. And... So I wouldn't be too worried on him. He wasn't somebody that I, I loved coming out anyways because I think he's not as uh, – well, I should say I think he's kind of a one-dimensional wide receiver, but if there is a place for that dimension, it's it's in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. So I, I wouldn't get too worried about you know their stocks being lower, but these aren't guys that I'm huge on for a quick impact this season anyways. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Matt, what do you think about those two? Yeah, reading things like slow starts for rookie wide receivers – doesn't move the needle for me. We haven't even gotten to a preseason game yet. Um, if people are looking, I'm not a big Isabella fan either, but if people are looking at A.J. Brown saying, 
man, I'm not quite as happy as I was when I used the 1-6 in my rookie draft for him. Well, I'd be giving that guy a call and trying to acquire Mr. Brown. Yep, I think that's very good advice. Uh, last one of these situations we want to check in on is Josh Rosen and the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation. This is probably more for those in Superflex or two-quarterback leagues because, uh, you know, let's be honest at this point, Rosen just hasn't shown enough to – to really even be a worthy topic in one quarterback leagues. But uh, the Dolphins signed Ryan Fitzpatrick this offseason. They make the the draft weekend trade for Josh Rosen. Uh, it looks like it's the old guy, Fitzpatrick, who is winning that job so far. Uh, in a super flex league, Williamson, are, are we worried about Rosen? Are we ready to just uh, just chuck him after a little over a year? No, but I'm a, I, I really liked him coming out of school. He was bad last year in a horrible, horrible situation. The worst offense in the league, backup blockers, two, you know, several coordinators. And I don't know that he's in a much better situation. And unless he's really impressive, i got to think the quarterback of the future is in college as we speak. So next year, if he ends up in Cincinnati or something, are we much happier about him? Like, it, mostly out of his control, all this stuff is not going well. We know that he's got other interests you know is his heart going to be in it from if it keeps bouncing around the league that being said it would blow me away if he's not starting by halloween though i mean when they're two and six or whatever how can you not put him in there and at least see what you have in the kid yeah as as you mentioned i think that's a good point that uh, they are expected to be you know they're they're going to be one of the league's worst teams this year. They're going to end up with a high draft pick, and um, Hicks, you know this as well as anybody. This class of twenty twenty looks uh, looks very good from a quarterback's perspective. Uh, Justin Herbert, Tua, um, and a couple other guys. I'm I'm probably forgetting. What do you think about Rosen? Well, so Williamson said he was high on him coming out, and I actually wasn't as high on him as maybe some other people were, but. I'm going to give the the opposite perspective and say it's not time to give up on on Rosen just yet. For me, it makes a lot of sense that Rosen isn't winning the summer battle. Remember, he's learning his third playbook in, what, a year and a half now? You know, because he had to learn the initial playbook, and then he did start to learn the the Kingsbury playbook, and then he gets he gets on to Miami, and now he's doing it again. And he's facing off against Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, who has won, won a uh, summer battle uh, every year for the last uh, 10 years, it seems like and one that he never seems to have any business winning. So I expect Fitzpatrick to get out there early. But I think part of it, too, is you look at the early season schedule for the Dolphins. They start with uh, the Ravens, then the Patriots, Cowboys, and Chargers. They're probably 0-4 going into their Week 5 bye. And then things start to get a little bit easier for a younger guy to, you know, pick up. So I expect Rosen to start week six coming off of uh, the early season bye there for the Dolphins. And until then, Fitz, Fitzpatrick will be the guy, and we'll see if we get a, a little bit of Fitz magic again this year. All right, good stuff. Again, kind of like uh, we were saying with some of the other guys, you certainly can't sell Josh Rosen right now, uh, even in a super flex league. Just kind of hang on to him. And, um, yeah, we have to think he's going to get a starting uh, starting opportunity at some point this season even if it is not week one all right guys let's move on we do have a few listener questions i want to uh i want to get to and williamson you kind of mentioned it earlier we we have two questions about the uh, steelers wide receiver depth chart first andy says 
who do you all predict to win the number two gig? And uh, DJ with the similar question, is it Washington or is it Moncrief? Uh, they also drafted Deontay Johnson, um, who I, I would think is going to be in the mix at some point. Williamson, we're just going to you on this one. Tell us what you've seen at camp. Washington, Moncrief, anybody else, have at it. I love the way Johnson's looked. He's probably going to be the top punt returner. He's faster than I thought. But at best, he's number four, and I think he'll battle Ryan Switzer, who's a Ben favorite for the fourth spot. Um, I think Eli Rogers doesn't make the team. Juju looks amazing. You're going to be happy to hear that. I mean, he looks much better than he did a year ago, believe it or not. So I thought you'd like that little nugget. But the real question, obviously, is Washington versus Moncrief. And Washington lost like 15 pounds from a year ago. If you've ever seen him in person, he used to look like a running back. He's a really thick, strong upper body. But he thought it hurt his quickness, so he's moving around better. But even last year and this year, he's very impressive in practice. So... He hasn't taken it to the field in games, though. And so I think this upcoming preseason is huge for him to do it against an uncommon opponent, actually do it during the games, because he's very impressive in, in you know practice after practice. But I think Moncrief's ahead of him and probably will be for a while. I thought he had a good year for the Jags. There just was nothing around him in Jacksonville. I know Ben is very fond of Moncrief. He likes the big you know prototype receiver. But that being said, I mean, more often than not, Juju's going to be in the slot and Washington and Moncrief are going to be out wide. I mean, it's a big, formidable receiver core. Yeah, if you look at, I mean, certainly we've been disappointed with Dante Moncrief really throughout his career. Um, he, he was a, a hyped prospect and uh, had some had a great deal of dynasty value before he really had much production. But if you look at his past two seasons, his quarterbacks were... Blake Bortles and Jacoby Brissett. So, you know, now with Ben Roethlisberger and one of the most uh, prolific pass offenses in the league, we should expect a a different Moncrief, I think. Hicks, what do you think about these two? Well, and, you know, Williamson, you could obviously uh, correct me on this since, uh, since you have a lot better read on the Steelers. But I think one thing I'm keeping in mind this season, I mean, Ben threw for over 5,000 yards last season. It was the first time he had done that in, in uh, his career, actually. Uh, he's come close a couple times before that. But I think, for me, I'm keeping in mind the fact that there doesn't necessarily need to be a number two wide receiver that's fantasy football relevant here. So I'm sticking with Juju at the top, and then I'm honing in on the running game. I mean, I've been buying a whole lot of James Conner, and I think we could see a little bit of a shift in the offense towards that. And you know, I, I do hope we get a little bit of Benny Snell, too, because I, I do love Benny Snell. Definitely a Snell truther here as well. I think both of you said a lot of good stuff there. Um, I mentioned I think Moncrief's ahead of Washington, but I don't know that I want either one on my fantasy team, especially for this year. Um, so I'm kind of with you. It's kind of Juju, Ben, Connor, and maybe I'm not saying you dump Washington or Moncrief or any of those guys, but I think the ball's going to spread out a lot with those guys because I think McDonald's role really grows And then one note about what you said, Ryan, was, you know, the quarterbacks he's had. If you go look at the games Moncrief played with Luck, he was very fantasy relevant. He put up a lot of good stats with a decent quarterback. And with horrible ones, he's done very little. All right, guys, let's move on. Next question from Tubaka. He says, Kenny Galladay, a buy, a sell, or a hold at his current ADP? I do have some some new August ADP that is... 
that we're still working on. That has Galladay as the wide receiver 17 and places him 37th overall. Uh, so we're talking about uh, being in the company of Leonard Fournette, T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, David Montgomery. Those are some of the guys on on either side of, uh, of Galladay there. What are your thoughts on Galladay's 2019 outlook, and are you buying, are you selling, are you holding him, uh, Matt Hicks? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a pretty funny coincidence there. I, I mentioned I just finished up my, my uh, redraft projections for this season, and uh, I have Kenny Galladay right at 17 for the wide receiver category. So I, I see the upside. I see that he's really the guy in the Detroit offense. I think he's going to soak up the targets. I mean, he had 120 targets last season. I think he'll probably see just around that as well. But he doesn't have a great uh, reception percentage over his career. Um, and one thing to keep in mind, too, is just eight touchdowns in two seasons with Detroit. And I think that's more of a, a reflection of the offense in general as opposed to, you know, Kenny Galladay as a player. So although he makes some big highlight uh, catches and flashes, I, I, for me, I'm just personally making sure to check myself on the offense that he's in. I don't have any Galladay shares. I had a few and traded them off. And I, I think he still does get a pretty good amount of buzz. So if, you, if you're looking to maybe convert to a running back, two or something like that, I think that's what I would do with Galladay now. I think he's a hold. I mean, I like the player a lot. I'm not sure I trust the coaching staff system to get the most out of him. But they do throw deep I mean, a fair amount, and I think he'll have some big play capabilities and get plenty of targets. But I just don't know that he'll get maximized, and I have mixed feelings about Stafford at the moment too. Um, so I think he's a hold. I'm not dumping him though if I own him. Yeah, looking again at this ADP, there's there's several wide receivers, young wide receivers, in that range, uh, DJ Moore is close. I mentioned, of course, Galladay. Godwin is close behind. Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup. So those uh, and, and Mike Williams. Those are all players being valued within uh, a round or so of each other. Uh, who would be the one guy from that group that you would be uh, targeting moving forward? Again, it was Moore, Galladay, Godwin, Ridley, Cup, and Mike Williams. Oh man, I like most of the guys you just listed off. <laughs> I, I I really do, and um, I guess out of that group, I would. Oh man, I would look at uh, I would look at Mike Williams, and and I'm just going to give him a shout out because I think he's getting a little bit less run than the other guys you mentioned. But I really think that Mike Williams has the opportunity to be that third year breakout wide receiver. I think he's going to get a even bigger piece of the pie now that Williams is is kind of moved on, and I. I Caution people to overestimate how much Hunter Henry is going to come in and take away uh, red zone work. So I, I really like Mike Williams. I think mine's DJ Moore, just because I think he's the most number one receiver on his team of that group. I like the coordinator, the the quarterback, the system. I think there's a lot in front of him. I've warmed up to DJ Moore quite a bit lately. So. I got a good story for you, by the way, Ryan. You're going to like this. I mentioned I'm at St. Vincent's College. Um, basically, we have a community bathroom area, and I'm in there with my Harry's blade shaving away, and one of my media buddies is like, what is that? Those look cool. You know, he asked me about them. I'm like, here, I got another blade. I got an extra blade, and I got an extra handle here. Take it. And two days later, I see him down in the field, and he's like, Sign me up for those. Whatever that was that you gave me, I'm using that the rest of my life. And it's a true story. Um, and so 
you know, like I said, I switched a long time ago. So join the 10 million, including myself and my buddy, who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Um, Harry's makes a quality, durable blades at an extremely fair price, only $2 a blade. To keep prices low, they cut out the middleman. They own a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making some of the best razor blades in the world for 99 years now. Now they can provide great quality at factory direct prices. They have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund, but you'll love your shave. Um, So the summer refresh for your wallet and your face with Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted wonderful handle for an easy grip, five blade razor with lubricating lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that leaves you smelling great, my wife loves it, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go that I've been using here from the dorms. Uh, listen to my, our show and redeem the trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know that we sent you to help support the show. All right, guys. Next question comes from Will. Will says, what to do with A.J. Green? Uh, he traded away Cortland Sutton, banking on a championship run uh, prior to Green's injury. Does he stick with him or... Uh, try to go ahead and get out now. And I think that's a that's a question not only Will is facing, but a lot of Dynasty players out there um, who maybe held on to A.J. Green too long, uh, myself included. Uh, again, we've, we've said it a couple times already, talking about Antonio Brown, Josh Rosen. You can't trade now. Uh, you have to, I think you have to wait until he comes back. And, and that's always the advice with, with veterans, you want to trade them in season rather than in the off season. Uh, and, and then factoring in this, in this injury as well, uh, that that's really no different. Um, Hicks, what are your thoughts on green, this injury and his potential when he does come back, hopefully by week four or so. Yeah. So one thing I want people to keep in mind is that it, it seems like football is so close and we do, we have the preseason games and we just had the hall of fame game and, and we're getting close to football. But remember, we're still just about a month out from from week one. So A.J. Green is still projected to miss maybe one, maybe two games this season. So in terms of redraft, he's still my wide receiver 25. I dropped him a little bit in terms of projections because of the Tyler Boyd bump. But I think overall, A.J. Green is still going to be a solid asset for this season. But I actually just had a... I have a rebuilding team. We just did our rookie, you know, dynasty rookie draft, and I had the 102 pick, and I was I was looking to to move down and get a few more assets, and I had somebody uh, offer me the 105 so I could slide back a little bit, and he would give me either Curtis Samuel or AJ Green, and I took Curtis Samuel uh, with those options because um, I think that if you're if you're looking past just this season, I think you need to be looking past AJ Green because I don't know how much more run you're going to get out of him. Um, and Curtis Samuel is also a guy that I'm definitely pretty high on. So, Matt, question for you. If you're a pretty good team and you think you're a contender, might you kick the tires on adding A.J. Green right now? i got to think now is the, the lowest his stock could ever be. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely would, especially if you're looking at somebody, you know, maybe A.J. Green's on a team that doesn't necessarily think they're going to be a contender this year. Uh, offer a 2020 second round pick, see if they'll bite on that. You know, if you think you're going to win the championship, offer a 2020 first. Everyone wants 2020 first round picks right now. It's almost heresy to say that as a draft guy, you know. Uh, don't give up a 2020 first rounder. But if you think it's what's going to help you make a run, 
I, you know, I love my rookie drafts. I love being a part of them. But if I'm going to get a guy who's going to help me win the championship, I'll be aggressive and go after and get him. Yeah, and you get something more, I bet. You could probably give up your first for green plus. Right. All right, guys. Next question comes from Gage. Who do you prefer, Damian Harris or Justice Hill? The consensus seems to favor Harris, but both seem like great prospects. Uh, Hicks, we'll start with you here as as the draft guy. You've done a lot of work on those two, uh, I would imagine, throughout their career and especially the past six months or so. Uh, I think I think you guys both know that I'm a Damian Harris guy, but I'm interested to hear what you think, Matt. Well, I really wish he hadn't put Justice Hill against Damian Harris. I think that's kind of unfair to me. So uh, I guess we're going to have to talk about that, Gage. But um, I love Justice Hill. I was beating the drum for him all the way through the draft process. I thought he was a guy who wasn't getting enough uh, enough credit in the running back class. I think he's a super dynamic threat, and he slots really well if you're in a PPR league. I think he slots very well into a role in Baltimore that that he's going to be pretty active with. And remember, uh, Greg Roman tends to run the ball just about 500 times a season pretty consistently, and I think Justice Hill will get run on the ground as well as in the passing game. Uh, in, in an offense, by the way, that I expect to be a lot more energized than what we've seen from Baltimore the last couple seasons. You know, rumors out of uh, camp are that Lamar Jackson's looking really good, and that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, So I love Justice Hill, but that being said, uh, you know, I'm definitely big on Damian Harris as well, and and I would take him earlier in rookie drafts because I think he is going to have a chance to make a quicker impact. And I think we also just need to recognize, too, that he's a New England running back. And as much as I like Damian Harris, I think he's more of a dual threat than people think he is. They just slot him into, you know, the the stereotypical two-down back role when he actually was used in the passing game at Alabama. Uh, a fairly decent amount and flashed when he did that. So you take a dual-threat capability and you put him in New England and you have a, a much, much better version of Rex Burkhead, I think. And I think there's room for Michelle White and Harris to all eat in that uh, offense this season. I think Matt said that really well. And one thing that's changed, though, is my outlook on Hill since we've really talked last or brought him up last. I think that offense is all about speed, big playability, and he brings it. And how much longer does Ingram really have left? He may have a really good year, um, but for redraft, I'm picking up Hill in the late rounds every time and just stashing him. I think he's going to get plenty of touches. I think he's going to become a very dynamic receiver. He's not a very good pass blocker. That's something to keep, that keep in mind. But I think he's a very dynamic player and might be the man there a year from now. I don't know that Ingram has a ton left. So are you taking Hill over Harris then? I think so. I mean, that's a tough question, though. This is a yeah. really – it is a tough one. Yeah, well, the answer is we want them both, right? <laughs> and and if you were drafting – if you had your rookie draft early, uh, like a lot of us, maybe you got them both with late second or even third-round picks – uh, like Matt and I did. So uh, I hope that's the situation you're in. I have both of those guys all over. They've both been uh, gaining value and uh, really throughout the off season. All right, guys, last question comes from John. John says, what are some teams that you expect to have value plays for fantasy or, or maybe teams that are being overlooked that have cheaper assets that will rise in value? It, it seems like this season maybe more than any other I can remember. We just have we have so many bad teams before the season or, or even the preseason has started. I mean, we talk about uh, we talked about the the Dolphins already. the The Giants are expected to struggle. The Redskins just have 
have really no <laughs> offense. We talked about the Titans, um, subpar passing offense. You've got the, the Bengals in there. And uh, e- even some of the teams that we expect to uh, contend, like the Jaguars and the Ravens, we've got questions about their passing offenses as well. So it seems like there's, um, you know, a third of the teams in the league, we almost are just swearing off uh, players from those teams. Hicks, is that is that a good strategy? Are we are we kind of spiting ourselves here? Well, I, I think you do. You need to look past, you know, kind of the surface level um, of that of what you see. And, and I think so. A really good example, the team that jumps to mind for me when I when you ask this question is the Denver Broncos because you have Joe Flacco there, right? And it just sounds gross. Um, you know, Joe Flacco, oh, what are we going to get another 2,400, 2,600 yard season? And I think we need to recognize, you know, the system that Flacco was playing in, it, it wasn't pass conducive. And so if you look then at, at Emmanuel Sanders, he was a guy who flashed a lot last season before going down with injury. And he has surprisingly been well ahead of the expected timeline. So I think Sam, our Sanders can, uh, can start off in the season and be a really good asset. Uh, Cortland Sutton, of course, is a young guy. We talked about him a little bit earlier that I really like. And then, you know, you dig a little bit deeper into guys like Tim Patrick and Noah Fant. So there's a lot of guys who can support Flacco and Flacco can support him back. And I think there's a little bit more in Denver than we expect. And by the way, I think there's room for Lindsey and Freeman to both contribute to fancy football rosters. I don't think we need to uh, be on one side or the other on that argument, which seems to be where everybody wants to be. Yeah, great example with, with Denver. I think that's a good one. And they're a good one, too, of us kind of, I don't know, like painting a broad brush, uh, an entire offense with a broad brush because of the quarterback. You think Flacco and you just, like you said, you just think gross or you don't even want to worry about that offense. But uh, we we do need to look deeper. So maybe maybe that's the case with Washington, Cincinnati, and some of these others. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, a team you didn't mention is the Jets. Um, just got Khalil out of retirement. I think the coach knows a thing or two about creating offense, but more importantly, I think Darnold's going to be a star and will raise all ships. And I mean, I'll gladly take Harry. I mean, I'll take Anderson. I'll take Herndon, especially, you know, right now at his price. So I think the Jets have arrows pointing up. Okay. Yeah. I I actually had them written down and, and didn't, didn't mention them, but yeah, they're, they're another good example. I think in this, in their case, you mentioned their coach. Maybe maybe fantasy players are a little more worried about the coach than the quarterback there uh, with the Jets. You, you, it sounds like you're a little more confident with him. Yeah, I wish he played faster, but I do think he hasn't been dealt the greatest cards in Miami either. Um, he had a heck of a reputation when he went to Miami, won more games as a Dolphins head coach as his talent would allow. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's getting a little bit more of a bum rap than he deserves. Yeah, that's fair. All right, good stuff today. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Tell our listeners all the many places they can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest place to find me is on Twitter, at the FF underscore educator. Um, With the Gridiron Experts uh, doing Dynasty content, I also do a weekly podcast digging in on 2020 draft prospects. That's the Dynasty Draft Room. I'm also writing college football this season with Fansided. And, of course, I have the Fantasy Fanalyst podcast, which is my own uh, podcast that I started just about two years ago. So covering pretty much every end of the uh, fantasy football world. But uh, really excited to be on here tonight. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, definitely go check out Matt's work. Give him a follow on Twitter. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blue Pass.